Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, thanks very much for joining us uh, as we have our latest podcast in the 2019 season and as we start to kind of gear up towards spring training. One of the pieces as we get ready is the uh, arbitration process and the Rays avoided a case for all but one player um, for the uh, upcoming season. And we're going to discuss that and more with uh, James Click, uh, who now joins us on the podcast. James, I know we've done this uh, kind of annually the last couple of seasons. Thanks for a few minutes. Absolutely. Happy to be here. For, for this particular year, um, you guys had fewer players, um, just four of them, by the end of things that you had to deal with a potential arbitration case. Did that make the process any easier, any different than, let's say, years where you guys have had eight to ten potential cases to deal with? It was a little bit of a lighter workload than usual for us. Um, we had a little bit more time to spend on on each of the cases. It wasn't the mad scramble, I think, that it was last year with the nine cases. Um, we also had one fewer person on the front office side assigned to it, so the workload was a little bit less, but not completely not completely down to, to nothing. But um, it wasn't as, as late of a night, Thursday night, it wasn't as late of a night Wednesday night, it wasn't as early of a morning, Friday morning, as, as it has been in past years. Let's touch with the three where you were able to get a deal with. Um, Chaz Rowe, uh, Matt Duffy, Mike Zanino. Um, I'm guessing that things proceeded fairly easily along the path, or, or were they right up to the wire? Um, a little of column A, a little of column B. Um, you know, as with any of these deals, as with last year, as we talked about, we stretched, you know, right up until the end, um, and all of these were outside of our of our comfort zone. But that's part of the process. Um, we don't think that we have the whole thing figured out, and so that's why we have the conversations with the uh, the agents to to get their perspective. Uh, and at the end of the day, we blend how they see things with how we see things, and try to come to a fair number. In each of these cases, uh, you know, we ended up a little bit outside of where I think we thought we would, but I think that's a credit to the to the players and the agents for bringing arguments to the table that we hadn't considered. In usually October and November, MLB trade rumors is usually, I guess, kind of the, I wouldn't call it the official place, but where fans will go to take a look at, oh, okay, this guy's arbitration due, what's he likely to get? Sometimes the numbers end up a bit below. Sometimes they end up above. I think sometimes they end up right on point. I think in these three cases, it was probably one of each. Um, how different are what they do from what you guys do in trying to determine the value of what a player is worth for a given year? Really, you're trying to determine their salary for that season. 
Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last year. I th- as I understand it, their method is an algorithm, and so they take the player's stats and their position and their health and their service and all the kind of things that normally drive the market, and, and they put it in there and they come up with an estimate. Um, by and large, I think they are very, very accurate. Um, but when you get into each of these cases and you start talking with the the agent, you can find that there are sometimes certain players in the past um, who, for whatever reason, are more informative than you would think on just a, a macro level look from a, from an algorithm. Um, so that's where, as we discussed last year, some of the the human touch comes into this stuff. Um, you know, and and I think it's great to have them out there. I think they are uh, uh, again tremendously accurate. Our only concern with them is just the false expectations where, you know, if you get one guy who he sees a number out there in October that he thinks that that's what he's going to make next year, and that's obviously before anybody's had a chance to weigh in in any sort of great detail. Um, But, yeah, I think um, looking at them this year, I think you're right that there was one who was – Above one is below, and one who is who is right on. So, um, but I, the fact that I'm saying that obviously shows how much we, we look or we don't look at them. There were, I think, a couple of the deals that you guys set up ended up with some incentive clauses. How do you guys f- determine? Because I'm sure there are some players who for whom that's important, some players for whom isn't. Is that basically how do you guys kind of play that into trying to deal with that in an arbitration level? Usually that's the kind of stuff that comes up towards the end when you are getting down to the point where you're not at an impasse necessarily, but you know, you're coming up against one o'clock and again one o'clock is the, the point on Friday where at that point we have to submit numbers and we cease negotiations. So as you're getting closer and closer to one o'clock, people are are trying to find ways to bridge that gap and sometimes you get to a, a spot where the most fair way to do it is if the player says, you know, I think I'm worth X and we think he's worth Y. And the way to get across those is to offer some incentive bonuses so that the player can go out and earn it. And and I guess that happened in, I think, a couple of cases here. And it didn't seem like the it was that big a gap then uh, because the incentives weren't that sizable, but at least it gets everyone kind of to a, a happy place. Yeah, absolutely. In our case, the incentives were I don't want to say that thirty-five thousand dollars is a small amount of money, but when baseball salaries are are, are up there, yeah, thirty-five thousand for Zanino, twenty-five thousand for for Duffy, those are are not, um, you know, a, a large percentage of the contract. That said, you'll see other teams where they will offer significantly larger performance bonuses. Um, sometimes it's in unique situations where there's um, a, a lot of unknowns about the player and his his health status or his eligibility to play status or things like that some players also just like having the carrot of i want to go out and, and earn it um and you know we can we can see it both ways we're happy to talk about them if players want to talk about them we're also happy to just go with a straight salary if that's how they want to go you ended up with one case uh tommy fam is the one player you end up with a case how close did you come to getting a, a deal done um and how far apart are the eventual numbers that we'll see in arbitration yeah, it's obviously hard to say exactly how close we came. Um, there were obviously active conversations going right up to and, and honestly a little bit past 1 o'clock. Um, we did absolutely everything we could to, to try to get to a deal, and I, I, I know that he did as well. Um, this one, I think, is just an honest disagreement about um, about where he fits in the salary structure. Um, and without getting into the weeds too much on, on how arbitration tends to work, um, players and teams tend to look for 
similar players from past seasons. And, you know, if, if you say, well, he's exactly like player player X and player X earned this much, then he should probably earn about that much. Um, in, in these cases, there are obviously a wealth of players going back. There are a lot of players who are, um, you know, very similar to, to Tommy's performance. And there's, there's ways to argue that he's better than certain guys. And there's ways to argue that he's trailing certain guys. And this one, I think, is just an honest disagreement about how he fits into that established salary structure. Um, we filed a number at 3.5 million for for next year. He, uh, he asked for 4.1 million, um, and obviously now that we're we're past the deadline, we're we're preparing to to go to the hearing. Um, you know, I, I think again, it's just an honest disagreement. We see it one way, they see it the other, and that's why the system's in place. You guys have had some sort of hearing the last four years. Is that right? How how important is it for you once you get to the hearing to kind of move past and allow both player front office coaching staff to know hey we're we're done we've moved forward let's get beyond the process it is it's obviously tremendously important um i think the main thing is we're all on the same team here um obviously in 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 other situations in other industries people have disagreements about their compensation uh, and baseball this is the way that they have decided to resolve those differences um i think the way that we try to go about these cases and we largely have gone about the cases is we are as objective as we as we possibly can be um and recognizing that we can't see it from the player's perspective and and you know um, we we do the best as we can but for people who think that these are, you know, shouting matches or something like a, a, you know, a courtroom scene where, you know, Columbo jumps in and says, you know, just one more thing then. And that that stuff doesn't happen. It's it's all it's very objective. It's very much, you know, looking at the players that we feel like the, the current player is most similar to and they bring the players that they think that he's most similar to. And ultimately, it's up to the panel to decide which salary is more appropriate. If you haven't watched Columbo, I guess you need to go on Google or YouTube and, and find a clip just to understand that that reference, which I, I'm surprised you were able to go back that far for me, James. Um, when you get to um, this sort of situation, um, how much time is spent on on preparing for an ARB case? And I guess you'll eventually get a hearing date, what, sometime in early February? Yeah, we'll, we'll find out about the exact hearing date, um, hopefully tomorrow, I believe, Um and we'd, we'd like to get it done before spring training opens for, for obvious reasons. Uh, with regards to the case itself, we actually um, have an outside company that does it for us. Um, we think that, that they do a very good job. But beyond that, um, I think it's important for player relations that somebody from the Rays is not the one on the other side of the table saying X, Y, and Z. Because, again, you know we're all on the same team here. This is just an honest disagreement about what the player – should be compensated at. Um, and once we get through it, you know, we're all, our goal is all the same. Our goal is all aligned to try to go out and win a world series. And after we win the world series, then hopefully we're not back in there again, talking about, you know, what a player deserves having just won a world series. Although I would happily bank that situation. Does that, um, was that always the case that you guys had an outside firm handle and, and do most teams do it that way? Yes. Um, I, I, it depends on the team. Some teams like to do it internally. We prefer to do it externally. Um, and we will definitely weigh in on what we think that the tone of the case should be. And I think by and large, we end up pulling things out of there more often than not, where um, you know they may want to talk about a, a player's—this is not applicable to Tommy, but just as, a, as an example, they may want to talk about a player's 
lack of hustle or, you know, some, something else that, that we just – we don't want to bring that up. That's not what this is about for us. This is about purely what the player did on the field, how he performed, and, and how that reflects, you know, what his compensation should be based on previous players that have gone through the process. And and I think we've seen that our, when guys have gone to arbitration, it doesn't necessarily impact their season. Josh Donaldson went to arbitration one year with the Blue Jays and ended up winning uh, uh, an MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we're all professionals here. The players are professional. Um, you know, I, I think that we, we get through the hearing. They let us know what they've decided, and then we all move on. Um, you know, again, we're all on the same team. The goal is the same. Um, but this is the system that's in place for situations like this where there's an honest disagreement. Hopefully um, it goes very smoothly, and uh, we appreciate a few minutes to kind of explain the process for our fans. Absolutely. Always happy to talk. We certainly appreciate James Click joining us from the race front office to talk about arbitration. Now we move on as we continue to prepare for 2019 and uh, chat with one of the, the rookies from uh, last year's team. Um, he just uh, recently, last week, participated in a rookie uh, career development program down in Miami, and that's catcher Nick Schufo. Nick, we certainly appreciate some time. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. What did it mean, first of all, to get invited? I know there were, what, three raised players who participated, you, Jesus Sanchez, and Jalen Beeks. And, and Brandon Lau. We had four. Okay, four. Um, I mean, it, it's an honor to be, to be selected to go out there and raise, obviously. Um, they're sending guys out there, I feel like, that, that they have, or they think are part of the future. So hopefully that's what that means by going out there. Um, so obviously I want to thank them for sending me out there because I learned a ton in that short time I was out there being able to, to talk to guys through a lot of things that I'm going through as far as just getting called up and, and all that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a ton of fun to be out there for those two days. So because so few players get to participate in something like this, you mentioned there were just four from the Rays organization. I would mention, what, 120, probably 150 uh, players total a year get to do something like this. You're part of a very small group. So what goes on over those three or four days? Um, it's more, you know, because I had people back home like, well, you know, the workout or that. It, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of information, basically. There's, there's so many things that you kind of have to learn on the fly in the minor leagues and especially the big league on how to act and how to handle the media and stuff like that. It's really going to deal with in the minor leagues. And so basically it was a, it was a bunch of former players and then, professionals in, in certain parts um, of the fields we were talking about. And basically, we just asked a bunch of questions. We were given a bunch of information on how to handle things in the media, how to handle things outside of the field, all that kind of stuff. And, and then also, we had small discussion groups, which were good, because I felt like we got to ask more you know, personal questions and, and more specific situations that like I went through or somebody else in my group went through. Were there a lot of these guys that you knew already? Um, and how much better do you also get to know the the other three guys in the race organization that you're with, because Jalen Beeks was traded to the organization last year. Um, you may have played some with Brandon, some with Jesus, but I don't know how much and how well you even get to know them um, on your teams. Well, I've, I've known uh, Brandon for a little while now. I've played a good amount together the last couple of years. I uh, met Jalen in the big league for those 27 days. And, got and you know, I've known, I've known Sanchez just kind of back and forth with being in the system, but, uh, yeah, being able to be with them for a few days is always fun. It's always fun to be be with your teammates. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had a we had a ton of fun. They had, they had a golf simulator there, which was cool. So I know Beeks and uh, and Lau were both on that a good bit. <laughs> so we had we had a lot of fun. 
Were there some other guys that maybe you saw on on the other side competing against that you got to know a little bit that now you appreciate them a little bit more than maybe you would kind of like a almost like an all star type situation where you you compete against them but you don't really know them. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not it's not exactly what it felt like. It's kind of like being in an all star game or being in the fall league, being being in one of those situations where you have a mix of guys from all different organizations and guys you play against uh, all the time, where you know more stuff during the during the games but uh, to get to know them off the field and, and in certain situations like you know at the basketball game we went to or at top golf or just hanging out you know at the hotel is, is always cool any particular guys that that stood out in terms of uh that either you did know a little bit before or you got to know a little bit better well i uh so i know taylor widener pretty well he's south carolina he was there and uh cole stewart was also out there and we mm-hmm. have the same age and we've known each other for a while there was there's a bunch of guys. Um, I got to know Cedric Mullins better, um, and I had played against him a good amount with him being with the Orioles. Uh, Jonathan Davis from the Blue Jays. Um, you know, we were actually we made our debut one day apart, so we were talking about going through all the stuff we were going through. Good stuff. So was it more workshops? Was it more, um, you know, social time? How, how would you It was display? workshops. I'd say workshops, seminar-type things. Um, they also mixed in this group called second city which is a comedy improv group mm-hmm. that mixed into the group and kind of made things fun kept you involved in the conversations how much do you think it's that whole experience is going to help you going into 2019 like i said there's so many things that you deal with in the big leagues that you don't deal with in the minor leagues with media and and just because you're on such such of a such more of a bigger platform um there's more stuff to deal with so being able to talk to guys that have been in the big leagues for years and years and also being able to talk to guys in my situation that just got there. I think anytime you can have information going into something and being able to get all the information that they gave us while we were out there. Was huge. Tell me what you, you obviously grew last year. Um, you had to go through a fair amount and you got to the big leagues as mentioned for the first time. What did you learn in your experience through, overall during the year and your experience um, in the big leagues? And how do you think you're using that to get ready for this season? I talked to guys there that were like, you know, I'm here and, and I'm, it's going to take so long to get to the big leagues. And, and, our, and really, for example, our, uh, our specific little discussion group we had, somebody said they thought so far away. And I told them, I said, look, I started the, game on, or started the season on the restricted list and got to the big leagues in the same year. So anything can happen as long as you do what you need to do. And obviously, my situation is I owned what I did. And then once we got past it, I just kept working hard like I always have. And, um, the Rays, I was fortunate the Rays stuck by me and gave me the support I needed in the second chance, and, and in the end, everything ended up working out. How, um, you know, when you, you hear about the big leagues, and I know it was, a, you know, just four weeks, but did you realize stuff about your game, areas that you want to really, or you really are focusing on this offseason from just that limited experience at the big league level? You know, I think, for me, I think we trying to clean everything up. Um so the biggest thing I've done this year is I've taken a lot more. I started hitting earlier than I normally do um, and really have a plan and, and hoping that as long as I stay on course with this plan, I, have to, I felt like my off season was the best that it's been. And it, it, this year is, uh, has been better than the previous. So I'm excited. I've, I've done a lot of new things. I've done a lot more yoga and Pilates than I have in the past. And uh, I, think, I think overall I'm in the camp the best shape I've ever been in. 
are you, so you obviously physically you've improved. You mentioned working on your hitting earlier. Are there certain things that we may see, whether it's um, uh, you know different stance, different use of your hands, different you know some people are focusing on launch angle, things of that nature. What are the things that you're trying to do? For me, I mean, it's all my big word this off season is pass. So as long as, as the bat pass is clean, then I'm happy. I don't think I'm not you know I'm not going to a huge light kick. You're not going to see anything drastic changes i've just really honed in on trying to get the cleanest bat path that i can possibly have to maintain throughout an entire season um it's about being consistent and uh and being simple for me so i think if i can simplify my swing as much as i can that's going to make hitting in the big leagues easier because you know you have the adrenaline you have all these things going on in the big leagues along with the pitchers being the best in the world if you have to battle um, so if I can make my swing as simple as possible, then that's something I can maintain and be consistent with over a long period of time. And the Rays obviously acquired during the course of the offseason a veteran in Mike Zanino, a guy who is a Florida native too, uh, grew up coming to games here. How much will you pick his brain in spring training, and how helpful can he be to you in trying to get where you want to be? I think it's going to be huge. I've always, I've always leaned towards the older guys, even as a young Kid when I was I was growing up, obviously uh, in Charleston, that you know, college Charleston, I always leaned towards being around the college guys to learn from them. And then the older guys, when I first got into pro ball, so I think this is uh, this is going to be good because you know I know we're going to spend a lot of time together throughout spring training, just uh, you know in the bullpen and live EPs and all the fun stuff we get to do during spring training. So we've actually we've communicated, me, him, and Prez have all talked, um, just kind of getting the ball rolling, uh, just talking to him and trying to pick his brain as as much as we can and. And I, I want to thank him for that. Obviously, he didn't have to reach out already, but him reaching out has, has made it more comforting to, to be able to lean on him already. Yeah, it certainly says something, I guess, about his character, too, and, and a, a lot that, that uh, any player can take away from that. And they also added another veteran in a starting pitcher in Charlie Morton, and I would imagine as a catcher um, to be able to, whether it's catching him or just having conversations with him, a guy who's been through the World Series and been part of a, a team that's, you know, you know, been a championship club, there's a lot as a catcher you can probably learn from that too. Oh, 100%. I mean, the majority of my conversations I feel like I have during spring training are with pitchers, whether it's just standing around, you know, before stretch or uh, out on the field during BP, on the outfield talking. Anytime you have somebody with, uh, you know, the resume that he has and, and the knowledge that he has, um, it's going to be huge, especially for somebody young like me because. He might have a different perspective on game calling, how to attack hitters. And the more information I can learn, the better catcher I can be. Well, we uh, look forward to seeing you in spring training. Glad things went well in Miami. Um, and a lot of success these final few weeks before spring training. It'll be here before you know it, and we'll see you soon. Sounds good. Can't wait. That is uh, Nick Shufo, and we certainly appreciate his time on the podcast today, along with James Click. Uh, obviously, not a lot has happened on the uh, the free agent front or the trade front in, in the past week and change. Uh, that said, I do think there's going to be something newsworthy during the course of this week, whether it's the Rays have not yet announced their minor league coaching staffs. So I would think that's going to come down the pike fairly soon, whether it's this week or next, sometime before spring training, we would anticipate that. Uh, and I'll probably chat with Mar Topkin later on in the week because, of course, uh, the Rays or, or the Hall of Fame announcement uh, is going to come on uh, the 22nd. And Mark has been a, a voter and a longtime member of the 
the Writers Association. So I'm looking forward to getting his thoughts on uh, his Hall of Fame vote, which, of course, you can read about in the Tampa Bay Times. Until then, uh, follow our blog, raceradio.mlblogs.com. Neil Solon saying thanks for being with us, and we'll talk to you soon. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.